everyone, hey, how are you doing? This is the 82nd episode of Everyday Eternal, and tonight it's Caleb Smith and me again. Caleb, how have you been doing? What have you been up to, man? Hey, man, how's it going? Yep, yeah, I'm pretty good, pretty good. I've been quite busy recently. As we all know, like, we still can't go out and play cards properly. I'm missing Paper Magic a lot now, actually. Online, I still love it, but it's not quite doing it for me, so I've been buying a lot of new cards and stuff, and... Um, trying to find some other things i've been playing lots more warhammer i saw a uh, boss krenko of bog boys fame over the weekend and he taught me how to play warhammer properly and thoroughly crushed me uh, can you guess what army he plays <laughs> <laughs> you guys are playing warhammer 40k right the space yes, yeah. space feature i are there like space goblins or something like that yes maybe <laughs> i would guess yeah there's, so there's orcs orcs are just like space goblins space orcs What are you playing? I play uh, Death Guard, which are like the like smelly, disgusting uh, Chaos Space Marines. So the joke is they're kind of like Nick Fit. They're like they're slow, but they're resilient. And they're like black green sacrifice Nick Fit stuff. So so you're basically playing Nick Fit against goblins. I've it's been a while <laughs> since I've seen that. Yeah, that's actually a pretty pretty good description. So I've been doing that, learning the rules. Um, I've been playing a lot of cube with friends. We've got like a cube we've been building recently. Some cool themes we've played online and then recently built it in paper. I played a little bit of Legacy as well. I Last time we mentioned that kind of land sharks deck I had an idea for. And I tried a few leagues and it felt very, very promising. So uh, it had a few weaknesses I could see straight away, but I, I need to work on that more. So maybe in a few weeks we'll have a do well with it somewhere, <laughs> maybe. And then it's going to debut and, and wreck the format or something? Yeah. Well, Shark Typhoon is, it's riding this wave, uh, this like Typhoon wave, obviously. And it's like, it's starting to see play in other decks now. And it's, it's it, I think it's going to be a big player in the legacy format. So actually, maybe we should discuss that in a future podcast. But I wonder yeah. whether just the car Shark Typhoon itself is so good that we can actually build a couple of different decks around it. Because I think so. I don't know, like, I mean, it started out as a meme, right? But yeah. you guys are playing, like, three copies of that in the deck. And I yeah, mean, it's just it's just good. I something. mean, you can play, imagine playing in Elves rather than, like, Crater Hoofing or whatever, like, something lame that loses to Stifle. You can just cast a Shark Typhoon. I was about to say that loses to Stifle as well, actually. <laughs> but uh, I caught it. I caught it. We're okay. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, the card... I don't want to get too deep into the card, but what I appreciate, no, no. About, appreciate about the card is um, that... It's so hard to remove in a deck where you don't really want to bring in like that much actual dedicated enchantment removal, which yeah. I guess enchantments have always been the hardest thing to remove in all of Legacy aside from basic lands. And I guess that that's part of the... And it, of course, it also adds the, the, the additional effect that you can always cycle it away and get something out of the deal. And with how slow the format is right now... It's got this nice like split card where if you're playing against a deck with Pyroblast... You don't want your win condition to be blue, so then you just keep cycling it. But if your opponent doesn't have access to Pyroblast, like in a four-color, no-red snow deck, then you can just cast it and they die to sharks. Yeah, that's always been the nightmare of a bunch of those decks that that there's a card. Like of those non-Pyroblast decks, that there's a card that really yeah. dominates the endgame. Because we talked yeah, about Nickford just a moment ago, and Nickford usually can somewhat dominate the endgame. But now that there's this enchantment, and even if you if you try to do something about it, and they have the force of they still get like a giant shark out of it. Yeah, so I'd love to do like a deeper dive on shark typhoon at some point. But uh, in the meantime, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. What have you been up to? I'm really enjoying the summer in Munich right now. On the weekend, I went to the beer garden for the first time, and basically last year, <laughs> and it was like a 
rather not tiny beer garden, but they, they spread out everybody very far. Everybody was wearing masks. So we, we, we had a really nice chill time there, even though the food was weird. I ended up having pizza at the beer garden. Like, okay. <laughs> but that sounds lovely. Like I've been to the pub once or uh, twice here now in the outside and they're all spaced out and it's so hot in Europe right now. It's I'm just like sweating here currently. It's like roughly 30 degrees most days. I don't know about it. Is it the same yeah, over there? Way, way beyond 30 even. Like we're hitting 35 easily on a lot of days. And yeah. How do you call yeah. it when it's like really warm, but also really humid? Like we have a special word for that. Uh, we, just, we just don't even say words. We just complain. Like, you, you just go, <laughs> uh, just, you just draw it from exactly. your mouth. You're like water. We just moan. <laughs> like English people are so used to complaining about everything and especially the weather. You just make noises at each other and everyone understands oh, you, you perfectly. You got certain grunting noises associated with certain types of weather and stuff. It's like, ah, okay. So I, I want to see what the weather forecast on English TV is like. That's just going to be somebody <laughs> like, tomorrow it's going to be like, eh, and the day after it's going to be, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and but people but are gonna, you are can totally just universally complain about the weather. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That but works. you have a nice summer in your city. Thing, yeah, really enjoying that. The other thing I'm going to do is this Sunday on the 16th, I'm going to be casting the NRG series from the the NerdRage Gaming uh, Tournament. I guess they call them NRG series. That's what they do. And yeah. Joe Lossett, uh, like super old school legacy player who kind of vanished for a while, but now he's back big time and he's been beating me with goblins quite often on Magic Online. And Anorak <laughs> nice. Das, a uh, little known streamer. You might have heard about him. He's actually the biggest yeah, streamer in the guy. entire world, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, um, yeah. We, we are teaming up and we are casting that event. So definitely check it out. Twitch TV slash NRG series. So that's what I'm looking forward to. By the way, uh, I already posted about it on Twitter. Did you know that last week we were actually the 41st gaming podcast in Japan? That That's that's just like one of the most random things I ever learned. Where do you even find these stats out? Uh, I sometimes get emails, like, because I said, that's probably an entire podcast in itself, but tracking podcast mm -hmm. metrics is one of the most stupid things in the entire world. And I probably went on a random on one of my recent <laughs> streams about that. Like, you actually have to pay money for people to track your podcast metrics because then you can use those to appeal to sponsors and stuff. And mm -hmm. or, or I guess you could do it on, on your server side if you host it on your own server like we do. But that's... At least for now, it's beyond my capabilities. I guess I could read about that. So I, I signed up to a lot of like trials here and there. Like, hey, track your podcast for free for like a couple of months. And that was really great. And then those run out. And then they try to tease you with, oh, by the way, did you know you were the 31st biggest podca gaming podcast in Japan? And I guess that means English speaking, right? I, I can't believe yeah, that you're the 41st biggest English. Yeah, but there's probably yeah, like a ton be. of Japanese. Well, I was going to say, if they're trying to hook you in, do you trust the numbers they give you? Maybe they're just making up. Like every, everyone's the biggest, the forty-first biggest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We, 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 last week we were the thirty-ninth biggest in Italy, and all-time top forty okay. in Norway. But we are not ranked in the US. All like time. US is too big for us to be ranked, so that makes sense. Like the bigger yeah. the country, the the less likely we are to be ranked. Well, I wonder how many podcasts Norway has. Um, uh, we we are not really an an, <laughs> a Norwegian podcast, so I guess they have thirty-nine podcasts in the history no, of it's, Norway. 
and so we're in the top 40. <laughs> I guess it means like people in Norway downloaded us the 40, like all time top 40 as a, as a gaming pod. So yeah, that would mean yeah. that people in Norway actually enjoy, like, cool. I guess, legacy or yeah, I guess legacy and magic more than in other countries because it didn't really get any all time stats for other countries. I wonder if we can get some good sponsors from these numbers. Like, so you put it on Twitter, maybe Delva Chat Twitter sees this Dude. and sponsors us. <laughs> Ping. That'd be sweet. What do you get by Delva Chat? If we get, if we can get sponsored by Delva Chat, I would, I'd be very happy. They're going to send us like a lot of pondas and preordains and brainstorms and stuff like yeah this is all for you i think i think to get in you have to um like they they do a what's the play and you have a turn one you can play a delver or a ponder and you have a one lander and you have to submit the right answer <laughs> that, that's uh, you know the stormbards are you on the stormbards no i used to, i used to look at them but not anymore. they they had that thing where you actually had to apply for it and you either had to add like a certain number of finishes to your name or I guess they, they did an interview yeah. or that, that was like a screening process. So you you couldn't even read the Stormbards. I remember that. And I remember not like not getting in the first time. And I've always been terrible at Storm, I admit it. And so I kind of made up some things and stuff. I, I think I got <laughs> on eventually, but I, I kind of really like that idea. I know it's it's not commonly accepted to like this kind of stuff. It's very gatekeepy. Yeah. But I like the idea of some quality control. And it's if it's a small, closed community, you're just like, okay, well, we just want to chat with the people that we trust to like be very informed and things i mean storm has that kind of mystique you can imagine all these like necromancers or well i guess they're not necromancers they're dark magicians in a big tower and you can only get in if you answer the right riddle it's kind of cool flavorsome yeah definitely yeah and <laughs> in speaking of sponsors by the way big shout outs to our new patreons we got martin nielsen never i never oh this is so weird when you start to pronounce people's nicknames in real life neville shut that's how i was imagining them to be named but yeah, I'm not because he's is he from Holland? Is it Martin? I think it's Neville Suter. Neville no, Suter. no, he's from Scandinavia. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty sure. Is he? Oh, Denmark. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, Martin. I'm, I can't remember. But actually, I'm not sure how to pronounce it either. Let's let's get him to tell us because he's been very chatty in the uh, in the Discord. So people should join for the Discord. It's really, uh, as they say, popping off. Yeah, we're chatting about some really good things. Yeah, I really been enjoying that. So I'm going to ask him how to pronounce so it. So Martin subscribed on our top grizzled brand here. And we had Trent Bowsers who upgraded his subscription to an Eternal Witness tier. So thank you so much for your support, guys. You're basically like, the, that That sounds a little bit weird, right? The, the Legacy community is the biggest sponsor we ever had. I mean, they're the only sponsor we have and they're doing really well with that. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much for the support. Yeah. Well. Moving on, uh, there's we, some stuff to talk about. I initially wanted to talk about the new deck that was created by Chef Pokemoki White that has been floating around for like a week or two, or actually more like three weeks at this point. And people left and right have been picking it up lately. And at least everybody who does well with the deck makes a Twitter post. And I've seen a lot of those Twitter posts where everybody's like, hey, picked it up, went 5-0, and picked it up, went 4-1. And that, that's basically me. Like, I picked it up a couple of days ago and immediately went 4-1, and one, went 4-1 and one again, uh, only lost the mirror in one of those runs, the other one I... Right. It, it, it's so weird, right? When people say, actually, it would have been a 5-0, and oh, but I threw it away. It's like, yeah, how many times did your opponents throw it away on your 4-1 and one run? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I always kind of roll my eyes a bit at that. I mean, some you, you can be honest with yourself. You can be like, okay, I uh, I, I probably would have won this, won this game if I played better. But it's very easy to, like, when you're making results and you kind of want your results to be higher, if your opponent makes a mistake, you either don't notice it or you're like, ah, well, they, they made this mistake, but yeah. it's hard to say if yeah. they would have won or not anyway. So you just yeah. mark it Yeah, so yourself. Th that's always, like, something to to keep in mind, right? But it's, I noticed yeah. how much it was popping up lately. And that deck is, doesn't actually have a proper name. I think Jeff calls it Rock Te Te Tempo? Denial. 
he's he's called it like rug design mistakes or rug denial. I think he's yeah, that rings a bell. But people are calling it Pokepile, which I like because I like it when a name is funny and stands out, and it also associates with him who's made it. So Pokepile, I think, is what's kind of sticking, but. Rug design mistakes is a so fan favorite. So at the well. core, I want to say it's basically we we used to have Canadian threshold for like decades and legacy, and I guess technically we still have that. But recently, people added a lot of three drops to the deck, like Oko and Uro, because those are really great cards, and also like a, a little bit of a slower but more snow snowbody threat, like Dreadnought Arcanist. And what Chef basically did is he put back the stifles that those people cut for these cards. And in order to make room for that, he ended up entirely cutting Diver. He's like, no, we're not, we're not even playing Diver in the first place anymore. And I guess we're playing two Astrolabes because the mana requirements are pretty steep at times. But we're still also running this, the suite of like four Wastelands. And I guess two days is still. So there's still a very pronounced tempo aspect to the deck. Even though on first glance, it doesn't really look like the deck can actually take advantage of that because the the most broken thing the deck can do is i guess play a dreadhot arcanist on turn two and then oko on turn three and I, okay i guess i guess there's an even more broken start that involves stifling your Euro trigger but we'll talk about that later because that's not why you're playing the deck it's just an, a casualty like it, it happens sometimes and then it drags your opponent yeah but that's a really, really interesting take. In my opinion, trying to categorize it as a Delver deck without Delvers is not quite what's going on. I think it's just a mid-range deck, basically. And it's using the card Stifle and Days, especially outside of, and Wasteland, outside of what people commonly refer to as a Delver deck or as Tempo. And I think it's just taking advantage of these cards being just really good. Like... Yeah, Stifle and Days and Wasteland play well together. And they play well when you can threaten your opponent. But So people historically have been doing that with Delver of Secrets. And it's still very, very good, of course. But he's just using the snowbally aspect of these cards. So as we said, Dreadhold Arcanist, he has Oko, Uro, and Narset. These are the kind of cards where like, the longer they stay in play, the faster they're in play. And as, if your opponent can't answer them, they get you additional value. So you're gaining tempo to snowball with these cards rather than just like close out your opponent's life total so rather than closing out the life total you're just closing the gap in raw card advantage as the main way to win with the deck i guess because i can see it drawing a lot of cards so it's just a a completely retake of how we approach the the deck building for fair decks or mid-range decks i think and i think day is really is like just a good example of it's so good that you can play it without like a turn one threat unless you count yeah. stifle as that but so i mean stifle is the card that he's gotten a lot of flack for and i've seen on all these twitter posts people like oh my god if you just cut the stifles and put four good cards you'd win way more but he's winning loads with it and i did ask him earlier today i mentioned to him we're going to be talking about the deck on the podcast and i understood what he means by the stifles i've seen him explain it a few times but i wanted to ask him how he puts it because his understanding of stifle in this deck is exactly what the kind of stuff i think the listeners need to understand if they're not sure it's real so he said the base level is that stifle is good versus a lot of the meta right now so he says snow so against snow you can uh, counter uro draws you can stifle their fetch lands and hit them off mana especially colors i think that's quite important uh you can stop oko things to get ahead in an oko race i can see it being important there 
against Storm, you can counter the Storm trigger. So like, it's not going to win the matchup on its own, but it means they have to discard it. And a lot of Storm decks are, re- are relying on Veil of Summer rather than Thoughtseize these days. Uh, he says Doomsday. It's very good at Doomsday because you can counter the fastest Oracle oh, against God, the Battletoad trigger. I just did that, sorry to interrupt you. I just did that twice to an opponent yesterday. And I, I can only imagine oh. how bad that must have felt. That felt so good, dude. You have no idea. Yeah. I mean, Doomsday started playing a one main deck Pyroblast and splashing red for this because people play Stifle. Yeah, that's actually how they managed to beat me because I'm pretty sure I had I had something that could interact with basically anything but not with the Pyroblast. And, and then they ended up taking a game from me. So that, that that's a smart choice, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very smart. Uh, he then says sneak and show again. Like you want it, you can cut them off mana. You can counter Grizzlebrand draw in a in a bind. Um, I think it's just good against their fetch lands. You need to cut them off the mana. Uh, goblins, you can counter like uh, Muxus ETB trigger ringleader matron if they're trying to wasteland you. An important like vile activation. It does a lot against yeah. goblins actually. Uh, Esper vile, same thing. Recruiter triggers. There's triggers everywhere in Esper vile, so like it's probably overloaded with targets. So he says. These are the matchups he says, and he says to name a few. So I think it's a right thing that Stifle is just has a lot of targets, especially because there's lots of Aetherval decks, and these decks all have ETB triggers. Like, an Elf is good as well. You can counter the Crater Hoof with it. It's Yeah, I played against Goblins twice in, in the very first league where I played the deck, and both of my opponents actually happened to be streaming. It was um, was a Goblin Lecky 1 and Turn 1 Goblin Lecky. Like, those names are crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like, it took <laughs> yeah, me actually forever to understand that those are two different streams. But yeah. <laughs> so I watched the VODs later on. Yeah, yeah. And the Stifers, like, by far were the card who gave them the most headaches, like, next to Uro. They, they were, I, I almost want, I told you about this, right? I almost wanted to do, a, to do a compilation of their reactions to Uro, and then I didn't do it out of respect to them, even though I, yeah, I, I yeah. just want to do it because, like, the card is so stupid. I think they would enjoy that out of misery. <laughs> yeah, the misery was very real. But, yeah, Uro and Stifer have been yeah. absolutely wrecking them. There, there have been, like, game states where I was, like, on two life and, like, no creatures up against, like, three creatures on the board. And then I get Uro into play, and then next turn they play, like, Ringleader, you stifle it. Like, they can't really attack. Then you attack. They do something else. You stifle it against. Like, the stifles have been absolutely wrecking goblins. It's it, And also, the, the tempo aspect yeah. is not to be underestimated. Like, yes, stifling uh, fetchlands is great. But also stifling a fet- uh, wasteland is basically the same as stifling the fetchland because they lose the land drop and you get to keep your land. So you're, you're also like plus one ahead at this point. Or if they spend, say, three or four mana on a goblin matron or a ringleader and you stifle that for one mana, that's a great spot to be. That's basically counters the creature even though they played it through a cavern of souls because, yeah, they can have like a 1-1 one, one for three. There's synergies with that, not going to lie, but... Our our power, just like our raw power that we present in the deck, is just so much greater. And yeah, Stifle has played a big part in, in beating those kinds of decks. Like I, and I think in all the four and one runs I had with it, I barely ever stifled a fetchland. I, I stifled a lot of wastelands and yeah, triggered abilities of creatures. So Stifle is, is much bigger than mm-hmm. what we used to see from it. And yeah, I really really enjoyed it in this deck. Yeah, I, I I can totally see that. And so maybe we need to just reassess further what we think of Stifle in the format. Like, um, I also forgot to mention against Sneak and Show, you counter the Annihilator trigger of Emrakul. It's pretty important. Um, there's just so many applications for it. I don't know if there were times when, like, like Eldrazi Aggro, for example, makes make it makes it look ridiculous. There are decks that just ignore it, but he's right. Currently in the format, there's just a lot of targets for it. 
So maybe we can fit it in other decks. Yeah. But I think his shell does take advantage Something of it well. That I guess we were, we were going to talk about that as well. This deck, when I see this deck, this is basically what I used to play in Natural Order Bond uh, just like two weeks ago. I got two videos on that on, on my YouTube channel. And looking at this, this, it feels like Stifle almost plays the role of Noble Hierarch in that regard. That You know how Noble Hierarch speeds you up so can you can do your later game stuff more reliably? And here Stifle slows the mm-hmm. game down on the opponent's side, which in effect, like this is the same effect you get from, from playing a Noble Hierarch. The only difference is it can't be lightning bolted. So it's it's more like a ram spell that it can actually be removed. And that's why why it feels so smooth to get those Uros and those, those Okos out. And and yeah, I guess if you get the Uro out and you get the extra land drop, that, that's even crazy at that point. Especially if it's like a wasteland and you wasteland them. There have been games that weren't, that weren't even games in the first place where, yeah, you're just like... Or wasteland them and and they never really recover. Absolutely. So J- Jeff's second point he made, he said, as you exactly just described, he said, in this deck, Stifle often acts as a ramp spell. So like Noble Hierarch, like you just said, with the upside that it can't be bolted, also like you said, and can pitch to force at will, which I think seems very important. Like there are matchups where it's going to be poor. And having that flaw of just pitching to force is a really big reason why Oko and Uro are so good, I think, as well, because they're legendary, but, like, just being blue, all of these cards, in the bad matchups, so if you have extras, you just, it's so easy to pitch to forces. And so he says the deck's threats are snowballing, so ramping into them has a lot of value. Narset especially loves a clean board and prevents the opponent from cantripping into the lands they need. So that's also like a, you wouldn't call it like a combo, but it's just a deck working as intended when you have Narset protected and they can't, uh, use their ponders and brainstorms to find lands and you stifle their fetched lands. So they really just struggle to get out of this prison-esque uh, element. And then he finally says, it's less likely to be dead late game since you draw more cards than Delver and you have the option to stifle the front half of Uro, which comes up more often in cyborg games where opponents bring in Leia the Void or Rest in Peace. So yeah, it's um, another like unconventional way to think about stifle in the way that Delver doesn't isn't able to like get over the lack of uh, the loss of cards if stifle doesn't have targets you can brainstorm it back but that's about it here you just as he says you just draw more cards and you have these extra uses for it with uro so um yeah furthering like it just plays a different role in this deck so this is where i'm going to loop back to what i first said and i think this is a mid-range deck but just being approached from a completely different mindset of legacy as we know it now rather than a bunch of years ago so I'm very interested where he goes with this, of course, and where people go with it. And if rug are the best colors, like as we said about the name, he said it's rug design mistakes. So we have Dreadhold Arcanist, Uro, Oko, Narset. So the red is for like Arcanist and Lightning Bolt, and it probably is correct to play that. But you could play other colors, I guess, like Source of Power Shares or Fatal Push. Yeah, Who knows? The, I, I don't know. The, the Lightning Bolt itself... I guess it makes sense, has felt somewhat underwhelming to me in the deck. I could imagine like a lot of other things to, to be put into that place. And it, it makes sense in the regard that we don't really put pressure on the opponent, so the, the reach that it provides is really not that great, even though I guess with Arcanist you get a like six damage out of nowhere. But I can sort like if I was to cut something, it would certainly be the red, even though the, the access to the sideboard cards is really great. Uh the the two red blasts that we have. And the clothes, especially like the clothes has been really good in all these like mid-range mirrors that we have right now. And I don't want to miss that card. That's true. Yeah, I mean he must have thought about this, so I'm kind of spitballing here, but like there's two astrolabes, and I think they are not because the mana is too bad, just because it's a good enough card when you're playing a three-color deck and it can use the help. 
but maybe you can play four colors oof, if oof. You play extra things <laughs> but there yeah that's pretty stretching it with wastelands as well <laughs> when i played it like the three colors weren't as easy as i hoped they would be primarily because of uro because uro those double blue double green requirements and you also want to keep your snow turned on for ice fan total so you try not to fetch too many uh non-basic lands so the, yeah true. Uh, the fourth color i guess you could do it in in the right meta game and it certainly will give you a huge advantage right it's just for to me i'm, I'm more i'd be more excited to explore maybe what white could do for the deck uh there's first of all sorts of plowshares of course which is a lot more flexible than lightning bolt when it comes to like certain stuff but uh, you get teferi as well Tef oh Oops. god teferi. teferi to me is basically very similar to narset uh, in the sense that this deck is like a mid-range deck and mid-range decks can struggle against like slightly bigger mid-range decks or control decks but Narset is also one of those cards where I feel like okay this is this is something that allows you to get ahead super quickly until the opponent eventually finds a removal spell for it because against this deck yeah I guess Arcanist can be can be lightning bolted but the rest is you're probably not too high on your lightning bolt against this kind of deck but you Probably gotta just keep them in because Arcanist is just such a crazy card. Man, all of those cards are just crazy. I don't know, man. I pe Some people might laugh at you. Some people might hate me for saying that. But the more I play with Uro, the less I can actually imagine playing anything else in Legacy right now. Because maybe maybe I'll eventually burn out of Uro. Maybe somebody will innovate in a way that I'm like, okay, I can't really play this card anymore. But the, the, the sad thing is I can't even say that I hate Uro. It's it's actually addicting, and a huge part of that is the extra land drop. I just like like really really like having a lot of mana and doing all of my stuff, and and Uro does all of that. It's it's the ultimate explorer. Uro the explorer. I don't know. Titan of Nature's Wrath. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. I, mean, I wanna I wanna do that. I wanna do that every day, all day in all formats. And the craziest thing is it's still legal in Pioneer and Modern. Like they they had this huge purging of a lot of cards in, in all of those formats, like Oko and everything. But somehow Uro, like Uro, still around, and I don't know, man, whether that should. Like I, I'm not gonna pretend I played those yeah, formats. Yeah, we, we chatted about this a few days ago. Uro's power level is it's obviously an insane card, but I think it's based around how good it can like make a control deck work, like how good the answers are. And here in Legacy, we have. Um, like well lightning bolt and force of will is the main thing and like cheap interaction and like you have ways to stay alive so if you have uro as this like trumping threat in all the mid-range matchups you can afford to just play more and more interaction to keep you alive and you can spend this mana for him to ramp out gain life and progress you forward the problem was he's been legal in pioneer for a long time well since he came out of course and he just wasn't good against inverter or breach because they just don't care about it because they combo kill you and his his life gain didn't matter in the slightest and so because the interaction from the pioneer index playing uro didn't really line up against their combos it was like a kind of a sidelines card it wasn't played very much outside of delirium shells and uh like niv mizzet decks but since the combo decks have been banned uh, a few weeks ago uh, we're seeing loads of uro decks coming pretty much like dominating pioneer straight away so how good he is really does depend on the format and what's good in the format and stuff, but it is, I don't know, I'm pretty ready to say it's like the best fair card in, in every format. It's the best fair card in every format. Dude, we, we might already have um, the the headline of this episode. <laughs> the best fair card. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe let me like... No, 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 no you can't go it's back. Maybe you can't the go best back. Fair it's, it's the best fair Okay, it's the best fair threat. Okay, <laughs> I guess I'm going to say. That's less catchy. Yeah, it's 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 not better than Source of Plowshares and it's not mm, better than Force of Will. I don't know. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but I, I think it's the best I think there's a lot of people out there who will tell you that Farsofil is the exact opposite of a fair card even though I definitely agree with you but growing up playing magic I thought Farsofil yeah. was the most bullshit card ever created like tear on my creature it's fine but don't Farsofil it <laughs> Farsofil is completely busted it's it's one of the best cards in the legacy format by so far it's a great part of why we even but, get to play the format in the first place and yeah I think nobody yeah. seriously dis, uh, wanna, wants to discuss I, I've seen people who want to discuss the removal of Force of Hill, but yeah that's <laughs> that's not our podcast if, if you want to hear that uh, I guess there's some special special interest podcasts we should actually launch like yeah. a fake podcast where we, we change our voices and <laughs> and then we like have a lot of discussions about like super weird stuff that nobody would ever believe uh, I guess nobody would really listen to that I don't know if that's or we could or we could just release them under the names of other legacy podcasts <laughs> And just like just say weird things like yeah i think forcible should be banned i think brainstorm should be banned i'm gonna get so much hate on twitter for saying that because people do believe brainstorm should yeah baseline's a bullshit card let's get rid of this and uh, everybody should start with ah. like four cards and play like uh, yeah this is this is what legacy i remember when when the biggest discussion on the source was like whether tarmogoyf should be banned and look at tarmogoyf now i pretty washed but up. the poll is still up in that in that bnr thread and it was like 40% of people believe Tarmogoyf should be banned. <laughs> I mean, but for historic reasons, that's really, that tells you something about the state of the format back then, like what was considered unfair or too yeah. powerful back then, because now, I don't know if anybody who came into Legacy recently would think about that. Well, Goyf is still played in Rug Delver. Like, it's it's still standing the test of time. Actual Rug Delver, It's just not yeah. in every deck. Oh, that brings me well, to yeah, like, a discussion that there recently was on, on Twitter. Um, I think Lawrence actually brought that up, where he he was like basically spitballing whether whether legacy or like rather actual straight up Canadian threshold with like you know twelve threats, days, stifle, force, wasteland could come back. Like I, I think they played like four lightning bolts and wasn't even four chain lightnings. I think so. Yeah. So whether there's room for that mm. deck to become back because like basically he was arguing historically. Whenever people ended up cutting Delva from a Delva deck in the long run, they would return to it because it just ended up being the better deck. And I have some thoughts on that, but maybe you want to go first. Whether what, what, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think I've almost already said this. I think this this deck is not a Delva deck cutting Delva. This is a mid-range deck being built differently, and it just looks like a Delva deck. I think those kind of Canadian threshold or Canadian decks, you, however you want to call it, is flawed because Nimble Mongoose is so bad these days uh, because it just lines up so poorly versus stuff like Uru and Oko and everything. Uh, you can still win some games with it, but there's just so much that doesn't care about it. A 3-3 body is not what it used to be. And so when it's not a good threat, everything you're playing is like then dying to the, the common removal, to bolts, to swords, to abrupt decays. And so you want to play true names and then you're going bigger. It just doesn't really work in my head. I, I don't see it. So this, yeah, the main thing is this is not a Delver deck, is my opinion. What about you? So the way I see it is that's basically Canadian, even though we probably don't call it Canadian anymore, because that name has a lot of history and, and, and legacy <laughs> to it. Um, kind of exists. <laughs> we call it Rock Delver now, and it plays a lot of three drops. It plays Okos usually. I'm not sure it actually plays Uros, but it plays a lot of Okos. It often even cuts some Goyfs, or at least it plays some, some Hooting Mandrels. But it's already a slower deck and like i mentioned earlier it doesn't play stifle anymore so it's really not not that original kind of deck anymore and at least judging by results we have seen over the last couple of months the slower rock delver deck that still plays delver 
is doing decently well, actually, to the point where it's one of the best decks in the format, at least results-wise. And now this deck is looking to, like, maybe be the even better Ruck Oko deck, even though it's, like we mentioned, it approaches from a different angle. It's, it's more like a dedicated mid-range deck and not like a tempo deck that stretches into the mid-game. It's more like a very firmly in, in, in the mid-game deck that just happens to play these stifles, but for completely different reasons. And, yeah, that's basically what I'm thinking. Like, people talk a lot about how Uro has pushed out Delva because the life gain and the, the extra land drop you get out of it is super relevant. And I think that's just, like, part of, of all the reasons why straight up Rock Delva, which certainly has, like, a certain flaw, right? Rock Delva is one of those decks that can literally beat any deck in the format if it gets a good draw and the other deck struggles reasonably well. Like, the, it's incredibly powerful. But... On average, it's not doing as much as it used to, even though it, it had some kind of resurgence like earlier, like in the very beginning of this year, late late 2019. And I just want to say I love the deck so much. I wanted to come back, but for everything I know, and I've speaking to, spoken to a lot of people who who are like much deeper into Delver than I am, and everybody tells me, yeah, it's it's not worth it. You rather still play Delver, play play all these mid range things because the these the super heavy dedicated tempo approach is not worth it. And I would think Icefang Kotal might actually be part of that as well, because it's just so horrible if you got to trade your Nimble Mongoose against the Icefang Kotal. You never really want to attack into that. You also don't really want to spend a removal spell on that, but you kind of have to. So yeah, it's it's an ugly place to be for a super dedicated Diver deck. Yeah, very much so. So you could play like a, a Winter Orb like control deck, as Jonathan Alexander used to preach and stuff. You could attack their mana, like attacking Snow and Euro's deck's mana, can work sometimes but it's it's hard they play a lot of lands as you said uro gets extra land drops into play they do have fairly low curves still astrolabe is fixing the mana so you can't like stifle the right fetch land for the right basic and stuff mana denial is just not what it used to be and yeah as we say nimble mongoose is not what it used to be so i, th- I think that idea i love the deck as well it's kind of it's one of those decks it's beautiful it was like 52 cards and then eight flexes or something or six flexes and it was so consistent over so many years but it's just it's been gone for a while now that now that you mentioned winter orb i think if you want to play the deck it's probably the approach to do it because this deck is incredibly mana hungry like i think i i either use all of my mana every turn or i have the potential to use all of my mana every turn and end up not doing it for other reasons because i might do something else but yeah the, the deck really needs its mana and if i could only ever untap one land every turn i i could see myself being in trouble so that's probably like one way, like protect the winter or something like that, and then protect it with like spell pieces and stuff because there's not too many abruptly case being played right now. So that's something I yeah. could see. That's probably an approach that might work. That would you could also play Veil of Summer if people are on abrupt decay for the winter orb. So I mean, yeah, this could be like a play Silver Libraries and winter orbs, and then just use that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Although there's still the. So where can actually pe- pe- where can people find Chef? So since we are talking so much about him, let's actually give him a shout. I think it's at Pokemoki. No, oh, it's at Real Pokemoki. P O K E M O K I. <laughs> He's the real Pokemoki. Yep, cool. Real Pokemoki, not the fake one. No, uh, the, yeah, so the definitely fake go one, check, uh, check him out on Twitter. He posts a lot of uh, legacy thoughts on there as well. He's he's always innovating and stuff, so he's really worth a follow. He's one of these people you need to keep an eye on because. He's never content finding a deck that he thinks is good and then like tuning it forever. He's always building something new, always trying to attack the metagame. So he's 
really fantastic deck builder. Didn't he recently do a stream with Anorak where they, they played it together to a top eight finish and I think a legacy ch- show ch- showcase challenge? Yes. So this past Sunday was the sh- the last showcase challenge. I think it was the last one. I could be wrong there. It was a showcase challenge anyway. And so Anorag was streaming and he was uh, calling in. They were on like a five minute delay. And uh, yeah, they were playing this exact deck, the Pokepile. And they top eighted. I can't remember what they played in the top eight in the end. But um, yeah, I think it went 7-1, I'm going to say, in the Swiss. So really impressive display. And he like watching him and listening to him talk about the deck, he has a really strong understanding of it. He's played the deck a lot. And so recommend going and checking out the VODs and really just following him. He's put out some videos as well, I believe. We could go over the uh, the challenge just quickly as well because it was a pretty big one. I think there was 211 players, which is massive. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, so just, just for anyone that isn't aware, the difference between a showcase challenge and a normal challenge is there's four challenges, or actually now there's eight, but there's uh, four Sunday challenges every month. And the last one of the month is a showcase challenge. And what that means is all the top eight get an invite to the end of season, which is every three months end of season like legacy playoff and the winner of that gets an invite to a much bigger tournament it feeds into something which feeds into something which feeds into something but the prizes are good top eighting is really really worth something so um it was actually won by stefan oggs who's a known miracles absolute crusher and boss online he's been like sticking with miracles since since it like terminus probably came out and uh, he's been working in his own way. So it was Bant with Oko and Wanero and Coatles and everything. Is his name actually Stefanos? So Stefanox? I always thought his yeah. name was like Stefano Cheese. That sounds like so much cooler. <laughs> no, his, his name is Stefano. But Stefanox is his uh, I'm going to keep calling him Stefano name. Cheese. He, he's from, is, is he from <laughs> Brazil? Yeah, it's better. He's from Brazil, yeah. Yeah, I knew it. Stefano Cheese, definitely. So he... he <laughs> So he's back. He's been he's um, been studying the last few months, and I've forgotten his degree. I think it's to, to become a doctor, but something like that. And so he's been having a huge time out. And then like a couple of weeks ago, he was like, "Hey guys, I'm back," and he just like instantly starts crushing everything. Classic. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an uptick in miracles now on, in online play because it's it's still good. It plays blue white control cards plus blue green. Design mistakes. There's a really interesting card in his main deck. Two copies of Dovin Sweeto in his main deck. And for those who don't know, that's uh, a white and a blue. This spell can't be countered. Counter target, non-creature spell. It's basically uh, slightly harder to cast in a gate that can't be countered itself. So what are you actually looking to counter yeah. with that? So this actually came up in uh, talking about it with him yesterday, actually. So he said about Vito, I like the uncounterable clause, especially in game one, because a lot of cards, which I guess... You don't have the right cards from sideboarding. He said also it's easier to cast than normal counter spell. So blue-white is probably easier to cast most of the time. And he says he doesn't really care about resolved creatures. So when you're playing a deck with three source of powers, which is interesting, and Terminus is... If you just don't care about creatures, then I can see this being like so much better against Rugdelva when you need to counter the Oko or something and it can't get dazed or forced back and stuff. So I think this is a quite a good innovation. It seems small, but it must give you a lot more game against Oko. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like trying to to explore this further. Like, I would think this is also something that you can use in the first game against a lot of combo decks when maybe they don't have mm-hmm. force. Like, I, I, it's it's actually kind of hard to imagine which combo decks don't have Veil of Summer right now in the main deck. Uh, the Epic Storm does, yeah. Blue Green, um, Omni does. Do- Doomsday doesn't. Doomsday doesn't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
I guess and that has forcible endings. Yeah, I guess they can they can discard it, but they don't play that many discard spells if they play forcible endings. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think it's mostly for the like Delver and Fair Blue matchups though. But it definitely has it obviously has application against combo as well, like sneak and show as well if they don't have green i, I kind of like the idea of being able if you're on the draw you can still counter oko even if the opponent has like dazes so that that's actually really cool yeah i like that mm-hmm. yeah so moving on we had in second place we had death shadow um pretty standard blue black looking list i think that's a that's always a deck that kind of pops up and does and really spikes an event i i think this deck is way better than people give it credit for it's super low to the ground like the threats go bigger in the delver mirrors you can get bolted out so it's a bit dangerous but especially when source of power is on a bit of a down low then um yeah i I, this deck is just a combo killer as well so if if the format is very combo centric i'd be looking to play death shadow if that's your kind of style uh, this is actually quite interesting yep. in the sense that you mentioned uh, sorts of plowshares is not played as much as it's usually in legacy which is it's great for the deck right because uh sorts of plowshares kills mm-hmm. all the death shadows and play at, at once and at the same time we yeah. we're not having that much pressure on our life totals as we so usually do in legacy so you're safe a little bit at least a little bit safer than you used to uh, when you go down low in your yeah. life so yeah that's Something I just thought about when you mentioned that thing about Sorts of Plowshares. I don't think the deck is also as bad as people make out against Sorts of Plowshares. If you play smart, you're going to play a Death Shadow out, and then the deck has a Stubborn Denial in it, and you play Forces and Dazes and, and Thought Seizes. Like, you do just play a bit slower, and you do have the Delvers which and Gurmagangler, which they do need to get off the board or they will die. So... I've seen some good players really play around Source Splash as well. It's obviously probably the best card against the deck still, but I don't think it's like, haha, you're playing against a Source Splash mm-hmm. deck. This is this is a buy for Swords. It's it's close. And in the sideboard, they have him to Torex, um, and they have Narset as well, and Winter Orb. Like, there's a lot of heavy, really heavy hitters against the Swords decks. So I don't think I'd put this this deck at like sub fifty percent versus Swords decks mm-hmm. generally. I think the biggest issue would be being able to punch through all those those death touches that, that we have in the format. I guess Bayful Strix actually isn't played that yeah. much anymore, unless I, I don't know. Does Stryfer still play like Bayful Strixes and and Icefang Codals? I don't even know. But no, he he cut he cut Strix a long time ago. Actually, I think even like a year ago. Oh, wow. And he just said the card is not good enough these days. So maybe he plays it in his in his Yorian build. I wouldn't be surprised, but. In 60 cars, he doesn't. Okay, cool. So, what do we have? Third place? Third place is your pretty much, from what I can see, straight-up Reclaimer Belt of Elves. to place one Elsar Shepard. Uh, I'm trying to see anything mm-hmm. special. Not really. I guess something that's interesting is that initially the deck used to have Cable Pit. Then Cable Pit went away for a while, as people didn't really play a lot of, um, what's called, Plague Engineer anymore. Esper Vile? Uh, yeah, and now okay. that... Yeah, that's the thing. So, initially the deck played Cable Pit yeah. because of Plague Engineer. Then Plague Engineer went away, so Cable Pit went away. And now that Espawile, which I guess we can talk about later, is really, really big. Like, it's probably the biggest it's ever been in the history of the format, and it's been around for 10 years. Now that that deck is there, and we really need to have an out to Peacekeeper, uh, especially if they have Meddling Mage and Abrupt Decay. Now we have Cable Pit, and now we can take that out because previously the game literally just ended. And yeah, that's that, that's... Almost a must-have if you're playing the Reclaimer build, I want to say. Yeah, this is a really nice innovation. I think this looks just like Newton's list. I can't see anything different. Yeah, this is totally straight up the list that Newton has been promoting 
three once upon a time yeah. to Pachuca Bock in the Mania. That's definitely the one. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Uh next up we have Rugdelva. It looks pretty standard. We've got two mandrels, two goifs, three Dotolds, three Oko. Yeah, this is your your Rugdelva, as we were talking about before, the kind of more mid range one. Fifth place we have Anarag and with the uh Pokepile, as we discussed before. Sixth place we have Hogak, which is the bug version. And if you look at the full metagame that MTG Goldfish posted about the uh, the challenge, it was the second, well, most played slash the second best performing deck. So the first one was Rugdelver at 12.5%. But Hogak is second, actually tied second with Espival, sorry, at 9.38%. So um, yeah, Hogak did pretty well in this top 32. So I guess there's three copies of it, but <laughs> pretty interesting to see it do well. Dude, I love the deck. I just uh, we we talked about this on an earlier podcast. I just love how the deck is able to punish weak draws, and that's that's just like yes. something I really appreciate about the deck. The deck is also surprisingly hard to play against. Like I think I've played a lot against it more than a lot of people, and I still struggle quite a bit with like what's the actual correct thing to remove. And it's not like you have ooze active. It's like oh, it's gonna be a cakewalk. Sometimes they just overwhelm you with heatron crap. And that's just like so much going on, and and I often tend to underestimate the power of the altar. But recently, I I just like I'm like okay, let's just turn off the altar by getting something like I don't know, Nairot collector roof. Yeah, altar. Oh, collector. Altar is like it. It's just like two mana win the game. It, it is that insane in the deck. I, you, obviously, not against like some graveyard hate if they have a laydown or something. But the card is just absolutely outrageous. And it's no secret that I have a really, really strong soft pot spot for this deck, so it's always cool to see it do well. Uh, this this build in the top eight has actually got quite a few differences to usual. So if anyone is a Hogak fan, the, the differences are... So it plays a Dry Darb, which is becoming pretty stock, but it's not on every single list. But this has two hapless researcher, which I've actually never seen in Hogak uh-huh. before. So that's really cool. Um, it has two Putrid Imp, which is not common in the bug versions. It's common in... Um, the red versions with Faith Looting rather than Careful Study, which I'll get to in a second. But um, yeah, this this build actually has no Careful Study as well. So it's just playing blue for Hedron Crabs and the Hapless Researcher. And we'll get to some Cyborg cards in a second. So this is actually, yeah, really, I'm, as I'm going over, it's different. So there's no Careful Studies, which do get pretty bad off the board. Um, and then it has, yeah, Preacher Dimps and Hapless Researcher. And has full the full four cabal therapy in the main. Some people cut down to three. And uh there's also no once upon a time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they've done really well. They seven won the Swiss. I'll have to give this one a try. So can we can we mention what the dried arbor does? I think I would imagine that the dry yes. the role of the dried arbor is to be fetched to randomly cast Togak when you only have one creature. Exactly. That's exactly it. You can also use it to fetch up and like uh with Altar of Dementia or a a um What's it called? The sacrifice one. Uh, the, the, carrying the, the, feeder. The, the, oh, there's no carrying feeder. Yeah. So, so it can be used with altar and bridge from belows to get zombies as well. But yeah, it's, it's generally for Hogak, which I think is usually worth it. The inclusion. What do you think of the Okos in the sideboard? Um, it depends on how slow of a game you actually play. Uh, I would love Oko more if it actually answered. I guess it answers ooze if, if that types. It answers um, what's mm-hmm. a collector oof. Um, uh, that's the initial thing. And I guess it, it it allows you to play a little bit of a slower game against like control decks or mid range decks or something. As yeah. they're trying. To I think it's pretty good versus Delver as well. 
Oh yeah, versus right. Do you and actually it, struggle it, versus versus with the stack? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have played Okos a bit in in the deck, and it's been fantastic against the fair decks. Like better than you would imagine. It's it's weird because they have all this, they have all these surgicals and Tormor's crypts and Graf Digger's cages and ley lines, and then you play Oko and some like Bloodgas and Vengevines, <laughs> and just smack them with some ugly creatures. It's pretty funny. So I think they're pretty good actually. So you're basically playing a, a limited deck or like a, a draft deck plus Oko after side Completely. <laughs> See, I love scrappy magic. It's one of my favorite ways to play when, like, you have all your cards are, like, at very low strength because of their sideboard hate. But then if they have, like, over sideboard and they don't have, like, a strong draw themselves, you're just scrapping out with these two ones and they yeah. have the... It's really That's fun. That's what I love I doing love with elves as well. <laughs> it's interesting to keep in mind if you have Oko and you make an elk and you have a bridge from below in your, in your graveyard. I would think the way it works is if if you made an egg on an actual creature and it dies, then you get your zombie token. But if you turned a food into an egg and it dies, then you shouldn't get a zombie token because Critch, Bridge cares about cards hitting the graveyard and tokens aren't cards, at least last time I checked. Oh, it even says whenever a non-token yes. creature is put into your graveyard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so cool Hogak list. Uh, seventh place, we have Esper Vile. Again, doing well. If Coke MTG doing it, uh, looks pretty standard to me as well. There's like a sevens reclamation, the cyborg, which is and a snapcast, which isn't totally usual. But um, he's been crushing with his deck recently. Uh, we we mentioned it last time. He said he was on an insane run of like forty wins and less than ten losses and stuff. So yeah, yep, carrying on crushing. I think even less than five losses and, at this point. Yeah, probably just doesn't lose. And fifth place, we have good old Dredge keeping everyone. Eighth place. Uh, fairly, sorry, eighth place. F- fairly, uh, what's the right word? Like fair, honest. Honest, honest. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Um, it looks like the one that has the fiery eyelets. So this was, I think it's very close to what top eighted the last legacy GP ever, Bologna. Thus far. Dredge top eighted. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> so Dredge, otherwise looking pretty standard with like the blue-red uh, package you, you often see people not playing fiery eyelets and not playing insolent neonate and both study and looting but um yeah good but that is a, a different archetype in the whole of the top eight there's no repeats pretty cool just looking at the other stuff yeah it's pretty straightforward there's there's nothing that really sticks out as oh my god we we never really saw this coming i guess we covered the one that that's pretty new and to me i was about to say like esper Wild still feels somewhat new because it's just like the deck has been that's around yeah. in like chef's head forever since like 2008 even and he's been playing it like on and off and just like over the last six months or something the deck has hit the format so hard and it's probably still one of the top one or two car uh, decks that i would pick up for a tournament uh, there's a couple of tournaments mm-hmm. coming up uh, online and I might play in some I, I haven't decided yet and maybe I'm just going to stick with Espawile because it's it's been doing me so good and you, you're also in our chat about Espawile right and I think one of the discussions recently has yeah. been like the time that's just like playing the deck the time is, is a really big issue for both sides of the board but I don't know the if I'm in a tournament, I don't care about it. Like, if I'm casually playing it while watching Netflix or, I don't know, YouTube, whatever, then I do somewhat care about it. Then maybe I don't want to play it. But if, if I'm actually playing in a tournament where I'm, like, focused and dedicated and, like, I can maybe even take advantage of my opponent not understanding everything and and eventually being 
put under a lot of time pressure, then that even works to my advantage. So I don't know. I <sighs> For as frustrated as I am with some parts of Legacy, I'm also excited for like a couple of decks and for those decks I'm really excited yeah. about. Yeah, totally. It is time consuming, but like you say, it's incredibly hard to play against as well. There's this, because with a deck with so many tutors and so many flicker effects for the tutors, there's just so many possible plays that the deck can make that if you're trying to like play perfectly and play around what you can afford to play around, it it really can like wear the opponent down as well into making mistakes. So it's, it is both sides that gets hit with that. So are you, are you going to play in the, I think there's the, oh yeah, are you going to play in the energy series first of all that I mentioned earlier today? Uh, earlier on the cast? I'm earlier busy. today. I'm busy this coming weekend. Unless something uh, gets tied, like untied up, but I'm I'm away. Both, are you gonna Are you gonna be weekend, busy badly. breaking Corona rules? No, no, no. I'm good. We we've like kind of relaxed enough so that we can see people and stuff. See and touch people. No, that we're looking like it might get <laughs> stricter again soon. I'm gonna play in the Manor Traders event, which is coming up soon. I think it's just started actually. It started yesterday. So the Manor Traders event is a Swiss style thing where you can you need to play ten matches and you need to. I'm going to say 8-2 to, to make it into the next stages. Um, so the, I, I read about it today because they invited me straight into the second stage. Oh, hey, here's to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, uh, so the way it works is you need to have a certain win percentage over a number of matches. Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. So so, so if you don't 8-2, you can just make, play more until you win. 8-2, so that would mean like... Um, an I think 8-2 is too much. I, I read it earlier today. I think you... Over 30, 30 plus matches, you need 60%. And I think over your first 10 okay. matches, I don't think you need 80%. But maybe you do. Like, I actually don't... I thought it was like more like 70%, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was 8 and 2. And and then it feeds into a Swiss event. And then the top 8 is actually going to be played the day after. And then depending on whether you actually have a subscription on Mana Traders or not, they will basically increase your payout by 10. By, by, by times 10. So you can either win like $300 or okay. actually $3,000 if you're subscribed to them. So that's actually a pretty bit, pretty sweet deal. Cool. Yeah, so I plan to play that. So you're already into the next stage. You don't need to. Well, if I'm going to play, like, I'm I'm also not sure. Maybe I'm not here to break Corona rules, but I, I, I don't know. It's just so hot. I, it's so, I have such a hard time playing eight hours in front of my computer when it's so incredibly hot. I wonder if ACs are eventually going to come to Europe. Like in for as much fun as I make of the <laughs> yeah. US and a waste of energy and everything, I was recently actually told on Twitter that ACs don't actually like quote unquote waste that much energy, like not nearly as much as I thought they would. Mm-hmm. So now at this point, I'm like, actually, maybe we can have those, especially when it's this hot. I don't know, man. But th- what I wanted to ask you, um, even earlier, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that. When's the last time you actually played Paper Magic? Because I literally don't remember the last time I actually played like a paper magic tournament it might have actually have been Bologna last year in, in like October, November. Yeah, for me, it was probably not actually very uh, far off when we went into lockdown because I generally played Legacy once a week in London. But I did also play Cube with friends this past weekend. So oh, you mentioned that. I thought you, you played online. I have felt real cards. We, d- we've, we built it and played online. We've done two small gatherings with a few friends to play. Ah, I see, I see. So, yeah. Playing with real cards again is is something else. It's nice. Honestly, sometimes I keep a deck here just to shuffle around while I'm playing or doing anything because I just like really enjoy shuffling. It's just <laughs> when it's so hot and I'm looking at my hands right now and they're like this so sweaty. 
I probably shouldn't even be touching yeah. cards or even like sleeves because they would stick together <laughs> like crazy. I have four cards next to my desk constantly. I, I throw them away when they get too worn out, but I'm always flicking cards. It's a terrible, terrible thing. That's why I have poker chips right now. I don't know if you can hear that on podcast, but this is, oh, this yeah, is my new addiction. And I, I make two towers and I shuffle them into each other. And every time I get more comfortable, I, I, I can do that as well. I make the tower bigger. <laughs> I used to play lots of poker, so I can do that. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah. We actually, we have some listener questions that were uh, submitted to us via our Discord. So why don't we go ahead? So my friend Tom Dedecker from Belgium, he's got a good question. He's asking, Ura plus Oko make it very hard to play a fair midrange deck that doesn't lean on those cards itself. Decks like Grixis, Traditional Esper Blade, Chunt or Absan all have fallen to the wayside, mostly. Instead, Esper Wild relies on more of a prison game plan, as do Maverick and Death in Texas, I guess if they're still around. <laughs> so how could one go about defeating the Simic power cards when playing a quote-unquote fair deck? Going under punishes you extre- pushes you extremely hard towards linear decks, while going over the top of Uro-Oko is very hard. Oko just acts whatever you try to do, and Uro creates tempo, card advantage, and a clock all in one. So how do we how do we beat those without actually falling to the sins of Oko and Uro? I think you need to. I mean, it's true. It is very hard to either not play them or beat them fairly. But there are decks out there doing it right now, like the uh, the Shark Still deck. I think. It kind of looks like it doesn't deal with those cards very well, but actually in practice, Standstill has been very good against those cards. Um, we are seeing Delver still beat these decks, like they may be 50-50 or so. Um, I think Esper could be explored more because the uh, the card's called Eliminate, a new one, which destroys a creature or planeswalk with mana cost three or less. I think that could be a, a good option to have to like, help beat these cards. You can't beat it with just a removal spell. You do need to pull ahead, but I, th- I think they are not completely oppressive to other fair decks mm. uh, they, they do like something like Grixis really relied on him to Turak and Uro is so insane against him to Turak so maybe Uro does invalidate that but um, they, these decks don't like apart from the Pokepala recently Jund could play Punishing Fire that that can be good against the fair decks if you have a way to consistently actually then like Abrupt Decay the uh, Okos and Uros that could work so yeah, it's tough, but I, I don't think it's just like one of these hard and fast rules of you shouldn't try and play a non-Uro Oko deck, is, is my opinion, basically. Well, my opinion is that you you can't really you <laughs> do that well with like, because you, you mentioned a lot of good stuff, but like the actual straight up non, like non-blue midrange, that, that's the point, right? You mentioned Delver, but the the yeah. Delver midrange deck plays Uro and Oko, so I guess you were more talking about like blue red Delver, which by the way does decently. Like I want to say blue red Delver is by far the best Delver deck right now, like actual Delver deck, not like midrange deck that happens yeah, to play Delver. Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to play like Death well, Texas, well, the, the Delver decks don't play Uro. They 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 do play Oko, but oh, true, not Uro. True. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. So yeah, for like straight up Maverick and Death and Texas, like it's so sad how little Death and Texas we see, and I wonder how much. Like the the whole idea that even like also we propagate right that death in Texas isn't as good anymore, but it really doesn't feel as good anymore. It's just I strongly believe sure that I this kind it. of game plan will come back, but right now it just like feels so weak. I, I just I I haven't seen it myself. I guess like people are saying death in Texas is dead. I just haven't seen it. But yeah, but, but when people say dead, they usually exaggerate beyond compare. Like dead and legacy. Yeah. What does it really mean? 
Yeah. To me, that means it, it's like you're much less likely to win if you want to like win a tournament. You can still like win matches and stuff, but you're you're putting yourself at a, at a conscious yes. disadvantage that's bigger than usual. I think that's true. I think actually the so, best mid range deck, the best non blue mid range deck right now might actually be elves. That's probably where, like, especially the reclaimer version, which is like much more mid rangey. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd call elves mid range myself. <laughs> I know a lot of like, people say that. Do you that. think chaos elves is good right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, very much. I think it, it, it's probably like really good right now it, it, because it also it deals well. Like it always was good at dealing with mass removal. It deals with uh, what's it called, plague engineer, a lot better than than like traditional versions of elves. Uh, even though we don't even see all that much Plague Engineers. It struggles a lot against combo, but combo doesn't feel that that super represented. In, I guess Doomsday is becoming really big, but even TES, yeah. I don't know, that has been my impression lately that I'm not playing against that much TES anymore, even though I think TES should be like pretty decent against a lot of those Uro and Oko decks because a lot of those cards, they don't really matter all that much. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it does beat the snow decks pretty consistently. It just people are still playing other fast combos, and so you can. It's it's another deck that doesn't play force of will, so you can. It's lose to the the uh, grizzle brands and stuff. Oh, grizzle brand, my old friend. <laughs> yeah, but while we were talking about this, I managed to like get my thoughts together a little bit better about this question, and I think the answer actually that I was like kind of digging for is, you can't just play good stuff fair decks plus force of will and cantrips like Esper Blade was mostly a good stuff deck. Same with Grixis. They didn't really have much synergies. Grixis, I guess, had like Snapcaster, Colligan's Command, synergy to an extent. But they, they weren't much more than that. I think you need to have a, a real plan to go bigger. So like Shark still does have a plan. It has hardcast Shark Typhoon against um, the Snow decks. Like that is a real endgame. Or the Hall of Healer Generosity plus cycling the standstill. Like you have an engine there. Like Miracles has Entreat the Angels. That's another thing to go bigger. You need to have something for that. You can't just be playing a Stoneforge Mystic or five to ten million Snapcaster Mages. It just doesn't that doesn't work. So a more dedicated, focused fair deck, if you can find that, is probably what I was digging for, yeah. Yeah, but what would that be? I get maybe it's no ninjas is, is, isn't really a mid range deck, right? Ninjas has some grinding components, no. but ninjas really only drawn to more it's ninjas. Like a, it's it's not actually like a mid range deck. <laughs> I think I'd call it like a tempo aggro kind of. Yeah, but yeah. it also wins on. Card I guess what I was going right? to it is really win that much on like early damage unless it has those draws where they make like a four four on the first turn on the second turn. It's also like one of those more. Yeah, it has it has those draws. But it has tempo because you just draw these cards yeah. and in those cards you're going to draw a bunch of force of wills. So you just tempo them out like that. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it's basically a school of thought that that makes people play Dreadnought Arcanist over Tarmogolf because while you're not dealing as much damage, you're still putting on a lot of pressure on your opponent, like a strategic pressure. And and that's, I guess, what Ninjas is doing. They they don't kill you as fast as like a fast diver deck, but they're drawing so much cards that you... you they tribal you out yeah. in a way that also allows them to play force of will, which is really awesome because that's like that's never really done before. I guess in Murfog it used to be done, but Murfog is, is uh, <laughs> let's not get into that. <laughs> I thought it was coming back and going to be one of the best decks ever last time. Yeah, but because of the combo, right? Like traditional Murfog, it people used to choke about it, even though I, I really love the deck and I played it quite a lot. But it, it eventually fell off because. It's especially once people build it more like a beatdown deck and not like a cute deck that could u- utilize mirror reachery and all that kind of stuff. 
at that point, it eventually fell off because it just wasn't good enough anymore. But now that it has the combo, it has an additional strategic aspect to it. And that now that's something that makes it a lot more like elves. Mm-hmm. Elves is basically, I'm going to give you that. If I had to say elves is probably more a combo deck than a midrange deck or an aggro deck. And on the other side, we got Merfolk, which is definitely an aggro deck that has a minor combo aspect, which is basically the opposite of elves, right? There's the big combo aspect that also has like a, a beatdown aspect. And for Marfuck, it's the other way around. Now that it has both, that's actually something that makes the deck work. And yeah, I, I think the deck is decent. It's just, it can't do as much cool yeah, stuff enough. as all yeah. the other tribal decks. Like all the other tribal decks, Goblins, for example. Goblins can do such broken, crazy turns. Murfolk really doesn't do that anymore now that like Retory isn't a thing. Like Marrow Retory allowed to, for some like really crazy stuff. But yeah, I, I guess Murfolk Trickster is still around. Right. Don't forget, you can uh, Phantasm Image True Name Nemesis over and over again. That's that's the good. one big draw to the deck, right? That what makes me. Yeah, I'm, I'm half joking. Yeah. Oh, you, I'm I'm fully serious. <laughs> like when I played the when I played Murfolk yeah. before the combo, I always used to rock like four True Name Nemesis and four Phantasmal Images, and that's what I want to do. Yeah, some decks some decks just completely lose to that. It's quite funny. But yeah, I think yeah the answer we've answered the best we can. It, it's it's tough for non Roanoke fair decks. It's true. Uh, the next question is from, it is Scott Monroe, right? Good brother? Yeah, Scott Monroe, who's actually opening uh, his own shop in St. Louis, by the way. Shoutouts to him. So if you live in the oh, St. Really? Louis area, nice. definitely check it out. He sent us pictures and it looks Great. really amazing. So as soon as like all the restrictions are lifted, I don't know how it actually works in the US, but I guess he's going to be responsible about that. And yeah, so as soon as, as we yeah. can have like proper tournaments nice. again, Good luck with that. that's definitely going to be great. Lovely. So he says... Have your opinions changed on Death Threat Shaman now that Labour's been legal for this long? Would you welcome it back into the format at this point if Labour's going to stay legal? What do you think? Uh, no, I just don't want it back in the format. <laughs> it's I, I I totally see like the the the, the reasoning, the thinking behind that, and the, like it makes sense in, in that regard that we are basically we surrendered to the multicolor lords at this point, where we say if you want to play your four and five color decks, <laughs> if you want to be Strifo, you can do it. It's going to be okay. Nobody's going to stop you. And now the, the idea is right. So if you add Deathrite Chairman, it's actually not going to change all that much, would it? And like coming from somebody who would totally put that back into, into elves and like rock for Deathrite Chairman elves and just like have such a great time with it. I still have some hope that Legacy is going to change in a way that we don't do all this like multicolor stuff anymore. And if then we still have Deathrite Shaman around, then we also gotta get rid of Deathrite Shaman again. But yeah, if if the if things are to stay, like if things are the way right now and they are to stay forever, like with regards to like Lape especially, then I wouldn't hate Deathrite Shaman coming back, primarily because it keeps Uro a little bit more in check, actually significantly more, and also, yeah. uh, what's it called? Dreadwriter Arcanist. So Deathrite Chamber is a really, mm-hmm. really good card for keeping those in check. It's just like, I guess the, the Uro decks would just play their own Deathrite Shamans and and then basically just cast yeah, Uro would. turn earlier. Yeah, I, I share your thoughts. Um, I think it's way too good. And I also agree, I can see that I think it might even make Astrolabe be played a lot less in the format because the decks playing it would just play Deathrites. But I think it's just way too good. Like the 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 fair decks that would use it are already so strong and it would homogenize the format into like you just have to play four color piles and stuff like the new cards that have been printed since it was legal are just so strong too like you would just play like 
it was such an insane Delver deck with Deathrite. Arcanist, Delver as your thre threats and like two Okos or whatever. I would like to see the format with it for a bit. If we could have like a, a an area of like six months where they unban it and say, like, look, we're probably going to ban it again. We want to see this. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool to see how it interacts with Uro and Arcanist, like you say. But I don't know. When we did the um, Legacy Unchained uh, tournament where we unban loads of cards, I think Probe and Deathrite were the best cards yeah. we unbanned. Yeah. Like that. that's including Survival and... That they throw time... Like survival, by the wayside, pretty quickly, right? Uh, people played survival early yes, on, and yeah. then nobody played survival anymore. And Deathrite amazed me by how good it felt. Like it felt absolutely insane, as it did before. So yeah, I'm pretty firmly in the it should stay banned. Camp. I wonder if well, okay, now the probe is gone. I, we're, we're not gonna have like traditional Grixis Delver coming back again because that deck was probably like mm -hmm. when we submitted our decks for Legacy Unchained. I think everybody started with like at least towards the later stage of, of the tournament. Everybody started by having like Grixis Delver and then picking four other decks because that was just like so good. Yeah. By the way, shout outs to Elves Legacy nice. Unchained, uh, one of the few totally undefeated decks in the format. <laughs> just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Elves and Eldrazi were the best performing decks, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. You're right about that. Eldrazi. I guess Eldrazi is something you can always play. Eldrazi didn't... They didn't play a single unbanned card. <laughs> and there were two versions people played, and it lost, like, both versions together lost, like, one match out of ten. I guess Eldrazi gets a little yeah. bit slightly better, at least relatively to the rest of the format, when, when people try to do broken stuff, because Eldrazi is okay at stopping broken stuff. And punishing people for having that's a lot of true. like synergistic yeah. cards that need a couple of turns of setup. And that's where Smasher comes in and like goes like smash, smash, smash. And that's just the Eldrazi way. Yeah, that's very true. Awesome. Um, so we, we had a couple points more down below here. I just realized that we talked about most of them, like Bant, Miracles, Hogak. Uh, I gave a shout out to Blue Red, De Blue Red Diver and uh, even Espawile. Um, mm -hmm. that's Doomsday, right? Doomsday, yeah. Doomsday is basically, can I, can I go as far as to say that Doomsday is the best combo deck in the format right now? Like, who's going to be angry at me if I say Doomsday I is so. the best combo deck in the format right now? I, I think I agree. Unless you, are we calling Elves a mid-range deck or a combo deck? But to me, <laughs> the way it plays is a, it's a mid-range deck that has a combo aspect, but I gotta, gotta concede that it probably is primarily a combo deck. <laughs> okay, I, I think I'd put it like, roughly even with elves currently yeah. i think both are very strong i think doomsday is the best kind of like spell-based combo deck i think the deck is absolutely phenomenal and it keeps putting up some pretty decent results i think the deck is just pretty hard to play and it's pretty scary as well like, like me speaking me personally i'm i get very cold feet while trying to play it. i've played it a few times and uh, messing up and just getting worried about it and like, oh my god if i mess up the pile everything goes wrong i lose the game so it it's pretty punishing to mistakes as well so it's it's hard for someone to just pick up and like start learning it yeah i think so i think that's why we're not seeing more people play it but yeah i think yeah, ever since oracle i mean that, that that's the main reason why the deck has some like suddenly been resurrected after like 10 years or something i think oracle makes the deck a lot easier to play that doesn't mean it's like easy in the absolute but E a lot easier than it used to be because most piles really come down to i want to say like two cyclas and maybe even just like if you have a fetch land in play you you can put a land in there to just like thin out your deck where like the thinning make, actually makes sense 
and eventually you just go cavern and land the the oracle and and win the game from there so there's stuff you have to play around like we mentioned stifle and and other stuff but i think that's not something that should really make you shy away from the deck because it's i don't know i feel like the piles where you really have to overcome hate are rather easy because there's not that much actual great hate like which kind of relevant hate to be like it Recently, I didn't even bring in yeah. Nilrod. Like, Nilrod didn't feel like good enough for me. So, which kind of hate are we even talking about? That Gadoktik doesn't exist? Stifle probably is. Anything, yeah. I think Stifle and Medley Mage are probably the best things. So, like, these, they're, they're like, uh, Pokepile is playing Stifles and Espervile is probably quite tough mm-hmm. because they play the, the Medley Mages. So, you do need something for Medley Mage. But the deck is just really well built. Some of the people. Like so, Ethan Formicella, who is Monkeys Can't Cry, he was the first person to see Thassa's Oracle and start building with it. And uh, since then, we have so like uh, Martin Nielsen, who we said earlier, who's Neville Shoot. He's a genius combo player, and he's been working on it recently. We have Romario Vidal as well. He he qualified for the Pro Tour with Doomsday. And he's he's just cementing himself. He top thirty two the last challenge that we're speaking of on on Sunday with it as well. So these kind of players, they are building the deck together and they are terrifyingly good at these kind of decks. So we'll probably see it evolve further. Like like the kind of idea of just splashing red in the deck for one Pyroblast because they are pinpointing what the deck is weak against and they're working out the piles to be everything. So, yeah. You know what's a great it's way to great. actually beat Meddling Mage? Oh, Pyroblast. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah, true. Um, something... <laughs> Uh, my opponent once that was they predicted predicted themselves on Oracle, put Oracle in the graveyard, and then unearthed it. It's like GG. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is a this is a really nice one. I think Unearth has like mostly gone to the sidelines now. It's not being played. But if if uh, Espervile is even becomes either either if they don't have an answer for it, uh, game one, which they have the Pyroblast now, but I could see Unearth doing the work there as well. Yeah. There's a really cool quote from Ethan that. When Thassa's Oracle like was just spoiled, he put like a quote on his Twitter and a chat somewhere. He said, Thassa's Oracle is the tendrils of agony for 2020. <laughs> I just love that. For two mana. So this is the direction combo is probably going. Oh, man. I really want to go. Uh, I, I really wa- Sometimes I wonder, like, everybody knows me as, like, the Elf's guy. I wonder, like, how much work would it take for me to become known as the Doomsday guy? Because I've always had the most respect for, like, I, I mean, respect as a player or, like, as more like for the deck like I, I have basically respect for everybody mm-hmm. who comes to a tournament who's like genuine and doesn't like want to cheat like you know what i mean with respect but like with yep it, it's more like awe and fascination is is what i'm getting at and i have so much for doomsday because when when i got into legacy into like the tournament scene and like 2008 there was this guy christopher alzheimer if, if you played doomsday back then you know him and he was considered like one of the two or three gods of doomsday along with Leche and Ah, uh, see, I don't remember. M. Lidden. It's one of those names that I've seen online. And I never thought about how to pronounce them. Going back to the beginning of the show, <laughs> but he also recently came back and nice. is playing Doomsday again. And those three were the gods of Doomsday. And and watching Christoph Christopher play, it's like wow. I, I I'll never forget that the just the pure awe and fascination that I had with watching this guy play and getting out of cr- the craziest situations. And that's always been Doomsday to me. And yeah. It's probably going to take a lot of work, and every I feel like every other episode we talk about how we both want to try out the deck. I wonder, if you're listening to this right now, do you want us to do an episode of Doomsday? Because I know another podcast has actually recently done an episode of Doomsday, and I really try to like make it so that I know you guys 
you're not faithful to us, right? You're cheating us. You're listening to all these other legacy podcasts and you're like, oh my God, these are so amazing. <laughs> and we're like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. We got an open, open relationship. It's all good. But I don't want you to be like, okay, now let's check out this podcast. And like, they're all of the same topic. But if you want us to do an episode on Doomsday, and I really want to, uh, I think we actually might prepare that because then I'm really going to go ahead and play the deck myself. And maybe we can have some some expert online uh, on for, for a future podcast. Yeah. So maybe that's something we can do in like a month or, or something. So let us know in the comments. I'm let us know on Twitter. Let us know on our Discord. Let us know when you send us like all these awesome letters that I received from our lovers and haters. No. <laughs> have you ever received have you ever received a letter that didn't contain a card from a magic player? Uh probably not, right? I, no, I'm gonna go with no. I remember in not not from a magic player, but I I remember when I played Counter-Strike when I was like 15 or something, like yeah. 19, 2000 or something, I, I didn't really have money for a new computer. So on our IRC channel, my friend put out like IRC, it's, it's basically, well, it's the Discord, but from 20 years ago. <laughs> and my friend put the topic out there, well, help Julian, save Julian, just 10, well, Deutsche, Deutsche Mark back then, and you're part of it. And one of those guys, he actually contacted my friend and asked for my address. And he, he really just like set up for fun. Uh, in the sense of like, oh, his computer is so bad, he can't really play anymore. And that guy literally sent me 10 Deutsche Mark. And he even included oh. a letter where he says, I don't do this to anyone. And the guy didn't even didn't even really know me. We just like played one clan war against them and, and we lost even. And he just sent me 10 Deutsche Mark. That's and cool. to me, to this side, this is like 20 years ago. I still remember that because that was like surreal. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that stands out. That's cool. But yeah, that's totally off topic at this point. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. By the way, I've just remembered the uh, the other guy's name. You're thinking it was Brandon Adams. Yeah, that, that's his name. And oh, let, 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 let me look him up so people can actually follow him. Uh, um, Emidlin. Oh, come on, guys. Can't you? Ch- like, this is, it's Julian. This is so much Emidlin. easier. E-M-I-D-L-N. <laughs> Okay, he's from Chicago. Yes. (laughs) He follows me. I follow him. Follow me, follows you. Nice. (laughs) Cool. I'll I'll play some more Doomsday as well. I I, Actually, I shall. I really shall. Yeah. And speaking of Twitter, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at WhiteFacesMTG on Twitter. Awesome. And I'm ItsJulian23 on Twitter. People also can find me on Twitch, um, twitch twitch.tv slash ItsJulian. And also, it's studian.com, the website where basically all of the content I ever do, except for the OnlyFans stuff, goes online. So if you want to find the OnlyFans, that's actually hidden in the <laughs> in the source code of the website. Maybe you can find the link to it, and then you can subscribe on there. <laughs> uh, shoutouts also to our supporters. We, we talked about how basically the Legacy community is our sponsor. And I really want to say thank you so much to all of you, for everybody who's now Discord, hanging out, checking out our streams, making comments on Reddit, on YouTube, anywhere. Thank you so much. Our biggest supporters are on our eternal witness tier, Matt Nams, Valerio, James Slack, Victor Bernanst, and Trent Browers, who just joined this week on the on the Eternal Witness tier. And the big, big Grizzleband tier, we got Bachu Butts, Scott Monroe, Kulish Alistay, Jeremy Gates, and also a new arrival, Martin Nielsen, God of Doomsday. And this list is getting so long, maybe we need to add an extra tier. No, 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 I don't want to include exclude people from, from the shoutouts <laughs> in the end. It's just like wow like seriously guys you're helping out so much and it, it really makes all of this worth it like sitting in, in in the sun and well i guess there's worse things than sitting in the sun and editing a podcast so who am i to complain i guess <laughs> sitting in the sun isn't it 12 over there it's midnight well yeah but i'm definitely not gonna edit it right now i usually edit it like during the day yeah <laughs> okay that's a good point 
Awesome. <laughs> cool. So other ways to support us, like something that really goes a long way is really just leaving a review on iTunes. So if you if you want to let other people know about this podcast that you're listening to and you basically want to help out people who go on iTunes and they're like, hey, what's actually like podcast magic legacy and you want us to pop up there? If you write a review, that really goes a long way. I think we have something like 28 or 30 reviews by now. So if you want to add to that, that's definitely going to increase our, our uh, how would you call that? Exposure, I want to say. Is, is that the, the correct marketing term? I don't know, man. That, that is the term, yep. That's what we're going to call it. Yeah. Awesome. So what are you going to do now? Um, I, I kind of want to go to bed, but I can never go to bed after these recordings. I'm going to paint some Warhammer. Oh, that's... <laughs> I got a bunch of new stuff in today. So. That That's really sweet. I, I guess I'm just going to go outside a bit to cool down because it's... Oh, God. People are going to go grow yeah, tired it, of us complaining about the heat, but the heat is insane. It's time for burn to go. You're, you're becoming English. We, we just we just complain about it here, but it is melting over here as well. Yeah, I'm no. feeling it. So I go outside and have a beer. I hope you guys can just like enjoy the heat, have a good time, and then we'll see you again in a couple <laughs> of days. Let us know if you want to know about the Doomsday episode, by the way, or if that like if there's any other topic you want us to cover. That's unless it's like tree fork control. That's that's gonna be a little bit hard to find somebody who's experienced with that. But that's there's a lot of stuff that you can cover in Legacy. So. Let us know, and thanks a lot for tuning in. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone.